0: Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Estella Coglin, and you are listening to The Nest Podcast. To give a backstory, I was born in China and grew up in North Dakota. I have a huge love for podcasting, and I decided to take my three favorite things, mental health, self-improvement, and adoption, and create what you are now listening to. Let's get into it. Hello, welcome back to The Nest Podcast podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and as always, we have another great episode for today, but it's also like, when do we not have a great episode here on the Nest podcast? I really don't know. I wish I could answer that for you, but isn't that the question of the century? Anyway, so before we get into the topic, let's catch up. As always, what has been going on lately? Well, since the last episode... Everybody's favorite time of the year, the time where your Spotify rap comes out. Now, if you don't know what that is or you don't have Spotify, pretty much Spotify Wrapped is through Spotify, which is a music podcast kind of streaming service. A lot of you are probably listening to the podcast right now on Spotify, but pretty much it's yeah, streaming platform for music podcasts, and the Spotify Wrapped is pretty much at the end of the year. It goes through, tells you how much music you listen to, how long, how long you have listened, how much time you have spent listening to podcasts, your favorite pod- your favorite podcasts, your favorite songs, favorite genres and the artists you listen the most to, kind of stuff like that. It all takes the data that this app has collected and it uses it to, you know, for this purpose, to give you back the feedback and to let you know how your year was going through your Spotify. For me personally, I love Spotify wrapped. I love seeing Well, my own Spotify wrapped, but I also really enjoy seeing other people's Spotify wrapped. Yes, can it get annoying? Sometimes. But overall, if you want to share your Spotify wrapped on your Snapchat or Instagram, I will gladly look at it. I mean, some people are very anti-Spotify wrapped or very pro-Spotify wrapped. But I am pro-Spotify wrapped. I love Spotify wrapped. I love seeing other people's rapped, because also your or anybody's music taste says a lot about them. Also, like with friends, people you hang out with, but your music, it says a lot about you Um, because it's the stuff, especially if you have a high number of minutes and hours that you listen to music, it says a lot about you because this is the kind of music that you take in every day that you ingest or digest. This is what is being sung, air quote, spoken to you that you purposely play. I don't know. So it's almost like what you surround, like who you surround yourself with. But instead, it's through sounds and music and this form of art that is like music and podcasts. It's like, what do you surround and listen to? Two, so I think that's very interesting because it does say a lot about the person. so with that, I will be sharing my Spotify wrapped, so if you don't want to hear it, feel free to skip through this part. I don't know when it will be done, but I am going to share my Spotify wrapped, whether you like it or not. So, to get started, my minutes listened. I don't know if I should feel proud about this or not. Granted, everything in the Spotify Wrapped, it's like, hmm, should I be proud of that? Should I not be proud of that? But I'm going to say it how it is. I'm saying exactly what my Spotify Wrapped has told me. My minutes listened. 68,268 minutes listened. Now to me, I was like, holy cow, that, that, okay, that is a lot of minutes listened, That's more than 96% of other listeners in the United States. Jeez. I'm in the top 4% of minutes listened on Spotify in the United States. I mean, that's kind of a flex. But maybe embarrassing that I'm always just listening to music, especially if you have headphones in. Are your eardrums maybe damaged, sore? Possibly? But see, now that's the part where you're like, should I be bragging about that? Yes, I am in the top 4%, but also like, is that can't be good for your eardrums. So it's kind of like, mm, good or bad, do I brag, do I not brag? Next, top artist. We had this guest actually on the podcast. If you want to go and listen to that episode, it's under music. Anyway, shout out. Savannah Benz, that is my top artist. Top 0.5% of listeners. Savannah, if you're listening, I'm a huge fan. Obviously, Spotify rap don't lie. Now my top song that I couldn't stop listening to is Savannah Benz Country Nights. We love that song. Um, I do want to take credit for the song title, but i don't know now my top artists okay so first savannah benz second machine gun cowley third noah Kahn. four ed sheeran five chelsea cutler savannah benz obviously no-brainer love her music 2. Machine Gun Kelly. I went to his concert this year. It was so fun. I went with my sister. We had a blast. So his songs, yes. I had, you know, when you go to a concert, you don't want to be lame and not know the songs. So, you know, I did my homework for the concert, listened to all the songs, knew them all, still vibe with them today. Love them. 3. Noah Khan. No words obsessed with him I have loved, like, him along before he kinda, I don't know, went viral through the song Stick Season. Now don't get me wrong, I love that song. I will blast that song in the car and sing it to the top of my lungs with my friends. But, I will say, I, he has been on my top artist for about, well, since I had Spotify. Which has been like three years. I love Noah Kahn, and I really hope that's how you pronounce his last name. If not, I am very sorry. I am not a fake fan for not knowing the last name. Four, Ed Sheeran. We love Ed Sheeran. Yeah, I love Ed Sheeran. He's so good. Five, Chelsea Cutler. What a queen. We We love her too. So, oh, And I also went to the Chelsea Cutler concert, and that one, amazing, amazing. Every concert that I've been to, amazing. Savannah's concerts, amazing. We get it. Very much talent in the top five artists in my Spotify wrapped. Okay, now we are going to go into my top genres. Genres, whatever it is. One, pop. 2. Contemporary country, 3. Pop rock, 4. Stomp and holler, 5. Pop rap. Now, pop, number one. Yes, I do like pop music. Very good. 2. Contemporary country. Interesting. I mean, before... She knows this. Before I met Savannah, I was not into country music, but because she is a country singer, now, now Savannah, look, my top genres, contemporary country. Still has the word country, so she has transformed me into a country listener. Three, pop rock. I don't really know what that entails. So, yeah. Well, I guess I listen to a lot of throwbacks. Like, I have a huge playlist full of throwback music. So if I ever am on Ox, I just play that. It caters to everyone. It's old music. If you don't like it, well, then you probably don't have as good of a music taste as me. But that's okay, because I know I have the best one. I am self-aware. Four, this is my favorite one. I have a friend that also got this genre, and we love to bond over it. And that genre is Stomp and Holler. Now. I have no clue. I kind of still have no clue what stomp and holler genre entails. But I do know that that is in my top genres. And there's a, you know, how Spotify curates playlists for you. They have a stomp and holler playlist. And I will say, I love that playlist. It's more mellow, vibey, contemporary, folk acoustic, sleeping kind of music it is so good. So even though stomp and holler, I was like, when I looked at that, I was like, what? What does that even mean? When I think of stomp and holler, I think of this. It's like you have your hands in the air and in place, you just stomp your feet like a nutcrackers or something like that. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's what I see. It's so, I was very confused as to what Stomp and Holler was and why I got it, but from my Stomp and Holler playlist, it is one of the best playlists Spotify has created for me, and granted, or and given that Spotify creates a lot of good playlists, that's pretty impressive. The Stomp and Holler one, check it out. Pop rap, yeah, I don't know, guess I listened to some pop rap, I, you know, I guess. I don't know, that one's not as cool as Stomp and Holler. Next thing that has happened lately is pretty much just school and work. The same old, same old. Nothing too terribly interesting, but I wanted to share my Spotify wrapped because I really like that. But otherwise, yeah, school. We're getting into finals week. Okay, well, it's not finals week. It's the week before finals week. I have like, oh my gosh, wait. I think it is exactly two weeks. Oh my gosh. No, wait. That would have been yesterday. But I have like exactly two weeks, if not 11 days. Oh wait, oh my gosh, why can't I do math? A week is seven days. Okay. I have exactly two weeks, if not 13 days in college in my last semester of 2022 in college, so I'm actually really sad, you know, I don't think, a lot, I mean, okay, let me go back, you know, a lot of people get homesick, miss their family, miss their friends, miss their hometown, miss their home they've grown up in, and obviously, yeah, okay, I miss that and stuff, but that's already talked about, but what about for the people that Once they get home, they miss going back to college. They miss having their independence. They miss their freedom. I feel like, from my perspective, that is not talked about nearly as much as the people that get homesick and miss home a lot. Now, obviously, like that's totally valid. College is a big change. But I. But what I'm getting at is, I think there does need to be more talk of, you know what, I'm not actually too sad to be going back to college. I actually want to go back to college. I kind of am dreading seeing my family because of the lack of freedom or the lack of independence. Because once you get to college, you get a taste of that freedom, you get a taste of that independence. It's really great. It honestly is. You don't have to be telling your parents where you're gonna go. You don't have to have a curfew. You can kinda just live in the world as your own being. Not that you weren't already, but your own independent, self-reliant being in the world. So I think that's very cool. But I'm just pu- putting it out there that if you're one of the people that do not really get homesick and kind of dread going home because of the lack of freedom and you're excited to go back to college the more power to you your feelings are also valid and validated it does not mean you don't love your family you don't miss your family it's a feeling and emotion and that is valid so wanted to put that out there now we can get into the topic of the day which is mental health in college So, mental health in college. What I want to start out with is this question. Why should one be mindful of mental health in general? Well, what I think is that mental health, obviously, we have a mental health as we do a physical health. And mental health influences the way one functions in their day-to-day life. If one is, if one's mental health is not very healthy, their day to day functions and life will, will get the effects of the lack of their mental health and vice versa. So it's extremely important because mental health affects you in many ways, not just mentally. It shows physically and in your day-to-day life. And I also think that one should be mindful of their mental health because they need to be aware. Mindfulness and awareness go hand in hand because there's a huge stigma around mental health. And so it's important to understand mental health conditions and what mental health is because as sad as it is, Many people often suffer in silence and don't seek treatment. Now, I don't have those exact statistics, but it's just, it's almost not common knowledge, but it is something that is so real and too real that there's a lot of people that struggle with their mental health, and they struggle in silence. They don't seek treatment. They don't tell their friends. They don't tell their families. They suffer alone. They try to fight a battle by themselves that can have extremely detrimental effects. This battle can. Life or death. And that's why it's important to be mindful and important to be aware of mental health because... This is a battle that a lot of people will have to face. And to be aware, to be mindful, it could mean you battle this battle alone or you battle it with support. In my opinion, I want to battle this mental health enemy with Support. I wouldn't want to battle it alone. So that's why we have to be aware. That's why we have to have the courage to seek treatment because asking for help and seeking treatments makes you strong. It does not make you weak. And so let's base everything that we're kind of going to talk about off this statistic. According to APA, during 2022 and the 2021 school year, more than 60% of college students met the criteria for at least one mental health problem. To me, that's a lot. Over 50% of students meet a criteria for a mental health problem, not just a mental health symptom or just experience symptoms of mental health. They meet a criteria for a problem. And to me, that is 60% too much. 60% too many people, too many college students. That's a lot to me. And so this is why this is such an important episode. And now, okay, not making college my whole personality, I'm not. But since I'm in college now, I think there's so much that can be learned from college that younger people can learn from not being in college and about college if one decides to choose that path of life but i think that statistic kind of sets up this whole episode but yeah and also i don't know if you've heard of this but right now it's said that we are in a mental health crisis and that this crisis has increased dramatically during COVID-19 because for reasons of people not getting as much exercise, people being indoors, people wearing masks, people just sitting at their house on technology, on social media, so on and so forth. And so this mental health crisis, um, I'm not exactly sure what it entails, so I'm not going to speak too much on this, but people have different theories. Um, I would have to look more into this. And it's almost like people can make their assumptions, like, what is the root and what is the cause of the mental health crisis? And it also mainly, to me, has to do with the youth. Um, like my generation. And one possible cause of this crisis would be technology. Now, technology has the power to be good and bad. And especially, you see, youth these days, they grow up with technology. They're less about, they don't experience a world where there's not these technological revolutions and inventions like the internet at the tip of your fingers. They don't know a world without a computer. They don't know a world without a phone. They don't know a world where answers are easily accessible and so with that lack of patience lack of independence lack of social skills that's where we see an increase in mental health lack of social skills social anxiety because as a kid there's technology you'd entertain yourselves through like an ipad watch a show on the ipad And then it would rob you of learning how to socialize. So that is one way how people could argue that the cause of this mental health crisis is due to technology and people's use of technology. So to keep that in mind as well. And with the mental health crisis, you can see it in college. So let's get into some of the stressors of college. Obviously, the list here can go on and on and on. But some things that I've compiled is movement. Now, what do I mean by movement? I mean the actual movement. Let's say you're going out of state, out of your hometown. A lot of stress. I don't know. For me, stress of moving to a whole new town, literally like taking my hometown room packing it in my car, and just plopping it down at my new home. That, to me, was stressful. Getting everything in the car, driving to the place, you know, car accidents, road work, stuff like that. What are the things that could go wrong during the move, during that form of movement? But then I got to counteract myself with the positivity of what could go right. Anyway, so movement could be a big stressor. Transition. Transition into a whole new place of living. Into a whole new city. Into a whole new world with new friends. A world with different demographic of people. The transition without your family. A transition with being independent. The list goes on and on. Transition is a huge stressor in college. And the adjustment from the transition that is also a big stressor in college another thing is like the workload the college workload is a lot i mean it's college for a reason it's a step up from high school for a reason we in college you're not you're not in the little leagues you're in the big leagues uh some would identify that as but yeah, the workload. College is not supposed to be easy. That's why it's so rewarding to be given a college diploma. Now, okay, I, I have not graduated from college, but that's what i feel. V- I would be feeling very, very accomplished, very proud of myself, because I knew that in order to get this piece of paper, I put in a lot of work. Because nothing easy or nothing worth doing comes easy. So the workload for college is a lot and can cause people a lot of stress. Next, another stressor, unfamiliar environment. And this one was one for me. Not being in your space is hard. And to me, my space, my room, stuff like that, that was Really, my comfort place. The happiest place on earth. A place where I felt most like myself, most comfortable, most relaxed. And now, let's just pick myself up, go live in a completely different room, different state, different city, different country. That causes a lot of stress. And that unfamiliar environment. Not only you're in a new environment, but you're away from your safe place. The place you've known for your whole life or for a good majority of your life. That is a huge stressor. Another one, pressure to succeed. This one is a big one. Um, And with that comes struggle with identity or a lack of identity. When you're in college, you know, there are a lot of different people there. It's not high school anymore. You're there to learn. You're there to get an education, get an experience, and get out. And that's just, college is seen as just another phase of life to people. And after college, like the stereotypical life is grade school, middle school, high school, college. Get a job, get married, have kids, just keep working, retire, be grandparents, stuff like that. So. Being in college, it's now like, okay, where do you want your life to go? First off, what do you want to major in? What do you want to spend all this money and all this time learning? So hopefully you can get a job good enough to pay the bills for you and your family. So that's a huge decision. The decisions in college, big stressor as well. But the pressure to succeed, I think one does have to define exactly what success is is so for me success is happiness for me success is happiness if I'm happy truly and authentically happy in everything that I do and where I live in just if I'm just happy that is success to me other people could define success as if you have a good job if you have a stable family, if you build a business, if you hit the lottery with a jackpot. But you have to define what success is and what that means to you. So the pressure to succeed has no meaning if you don't know what you want to be succeeding in. In this case, succeeding in life. The pressure to just succeed in life. The pressure to not be a college dropout. To pass your big exams. To get good grades in college. To graduate. And with this, it's life. Life has no clear step through, thought out path. Life is crazy. Life is messy. You may think college is the only path for you. And the next thing you know, you drop out of college because you want to go take a gap year and experience the world. More power to you, that does not, in my books, that does not mean you are a failure. But if your version of success was going all four years consecutively and graduating with a degree, for you, you may feel like a failure or you failed. Now, to me, I wouldn't think that. Cause to me, I would be like, Oh, you're taking a gap year. You're having the courage to go follow a dream of yours. You're traveling as long as you're happy. And if you're happy doing that, to me, I'm like, Oh, you hit it. You found the jackpot. You hit gold. You found the happiness in your life at that period in time. So to me, that's success, but to the other person may not be. So just if depends on how you define success and with that struggle with identity. I think in order to define success, you have to know who you are, but also your identity and knowing who you are is very important in all aspects of life. It's who are you? What makes you, you? What are your beliefs? What are your greatest fears and your greatest joys? What, what, like, who are you? It's such a hard question. But the lack of identity in college is insane. Another big stressor. FOMO is also another big stressor. I don't know if I've talked about that, but fear of missing out, that's a huge stressor. You don't want to be like, you don't want to feel like you're falling behind. You want to, experience all that the college life has to offer a lot of this a lot of fomo comes in on the weekends it's like friday night you hear you gotta be tearing up the town on the friday night you gotta be going out with your friends you gotta be just hanging out doing something on a friday night you don't want to be lame and just sit in your dorm on a friday night now, like I said, it de—it depends how you would define a successful non-FOMO night of college, of a Friday night. Let's say your idea of a good Friday night with no FOMO is sitting in your room watching a movie with your best friend. That sounds wonderful. Another person's version of no fomo would be going out to a very big social event and staying out late at night and having fun now that could be someone else's version of no fomo so it depends as well but yeah fomo can be a big stressor in college and that can cause you to not get schoolwork done to not kindle your dreams and passions Cause you wanna keep up with all that college has to offer, which the main premise of this is you gotta find a balance. Next, finances is a big stressor. You don't have, I mean, maybe you do, but for a lot of people too, you don't have parents or another person paying your bills for you. It's like you're in college. You get cut off. It's like, okay, you finish high school, now college is optional learning. So now it's your turn, you chose to go to college, can you pay off college? Can you live without the help of the finances of your parents or your guardians? And it's like, can you manage working? Can you manage a budget? That can cause a lot of stress. And even among adults, finances, a huge, huge stressor in life because you really do need money to survive to buy food to buy water i mean granted yes water's free but like to pay for electricity to get water i actually don't know if you need electricity to get water but to keep the water on you need money right so money is a huge part of life and with that big stressor, finances. Another big stressor is uncertainty. Like with the struggle of identity, uncertainty. You're in a whole new place, maybe with your friends, maybe not with your friends. Let's say you're not with your friends. Uncertain. Who is going to be your next best friend? Who's going to be your next friend group? Um, What will my life be in after this four years? It's like, you may feel like you were lost after high school. What about after college? How lost will you be then? It's just the whole fact of uncertainty. If you're a very type A person, you really like to know exactly what is going on in your future, in your life. You really like to be structured. Now, if you don't have that certainty of exactly the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven steps of your life, can cause you a lot of stress. It's like, oh, what am I, even people, the uncertainty of what am I doing tomorrow? For me, that has caused me way more stress than I would like to admit. And And going into the causes of stress, a big one is loneliness. But the one I'm going to get to is guilt. Now when I'm saying the uncertainty, I get stressed about the uncertainty of tomorrow. Because I have guilt. In the back of my head, I'm like, okay, I need to live tomorrow without guilt. I need to live tomorrow without any FOMO. I need to be doing everything. That's unrealistic, but that's what my mind tells me. It's like, okay, from the time I open my eyes to the time I shut them and go to bed, I need to be socializing, doing schoolwork, being in class, eating at the dining halls. I need to really be doing all the things that you would define as a non-guilt day, a successful day. You define that form of success. What does it look like to be successful in your day-to-day life? For me, it's not to have guilt or to feel the emotion of guilt. And that's me. And that uncertainty and guilt for me goes hand in hand. So if you're looking at another person, your friend you meet, You know, it's always great to define terms and to define what that looks like for each person. And so, causes of stressors, loneliness. Loneliness is a cause of stress, but it also is a stressor. In college, you know, you leave your friends, you pick up your life, travel to another state, another city, another continent. For sure, loneliness is valid. It's a valid emotion. It's an emotion many, many people feel. Inside college, but also outside college. You leave your friends, you leave your family. Who do you hang out with? Let's say you're from a big family. Now you go into a single dorm, or you go into the dorms where your roommate never is there. You can't help but to feel lonely. You've always been surrounded by people. You've always been surrounded by friends. You've always been at in high school where you're surrounded by the same people day in and day out. And now, college, everybody's just like a free-for-all, sporadic, um... Independent learning almost. The loneliness. It's so easy to feel lonely. You can be at the biggest campus in the world, feel like the only one there. That's why I've never been to New York City, but I really want to go. But you've, he- you have heard New York City, the biggest city, but also the loneliest, but also the loneliest city. Even though there's a ton of people, you can feel isolated and alone. And college is very good at making people feel alone. And I've seen that among friends that I've met in college or just people that I've met in college. Loneliness can creep up on you and get the best of you, so to be prepared for that. But now, feeling lonely does not make you weak. It does not make you take a step back in life. It's a valid emotion and an emotion that just comes with the transition to college in which transition it's a stressor in college. So you see how all these stressors can kind of mold together and cyclone. With all the stressors kind of cycloning together, it goes back to why we should be mindful of our mental health. Because what I said is it affects one's day-to-day life. And why it, this it the stressors cycloning. It all goes back to why we should be mindful of our mental health. Because our mental health affects our day-to-day life. And so with mental health and stressors, stressors... Lead into mental health. So if you have the stressors cycloning, that goes into mental health, your day to day life. You see how all of this kind of cyclones together? Yeah. Okay. Hopefully you do. And now let's get into the ways we can manage mental health in general, but also in college. My main thing I want to emphasize, or I want to really emphasize, is balance. I've talked about this before, but it's so important. And important enough that I will keep talking about it. But balance. You have to have a balance in everything you have. and everything you do. You have to be a balanced human being. You gotta keep the homeostasis. I don't know, I think that's a scientific term, but I'm not sure. No, it is a scientific, scientific term. Maybe biology or something. I don't really know. But the main thing is to find balance that will help greatly to increase or to decrease the struggles of your mental health and so with manage would be your eating habits be conscious of what you're eating what are you putting into your body it's like you are what you eat so it's also like what you consume the media the songs the news what do you consume on your phone yeah what do you consume whether that be eating whether that be food or whether that be through the media. What do you consume? You are what you eat. So just be conscious. Make sure you're making healthy decisions with eating. I I could... Okay, I will be the first one to admit, I, I love my burgers and fries at the dining hall. I love my chicken nuggets and fries at the dining hall. So, am I one to speak? Probably not. But I know I have to be conscious of my eating habits, but... It is definitely like something that everyone should be aware of. The eating habits. And I am aware that I do need to be eating better, but you know, uh I I got nothing. But I am aware. Have I made a change to them? No. Well I have made a change from high school to college in my eating habits. I just love the fries and chicken nuggets. Anyway, do I eat like an eight year old? Yes. So maybe That invalidates my opinion on being conscious of healthy eating or eating habits. But we're still going to go with it. But be conscious of what you're consuming in your body. Whether that, like I said, be eating or be consuming like the media. Next exercise. Have a balance with your exercising habits to burn off steam, to burn off stress. Choosing to actively Go work out versus go and rant about and gossip about your problem. Maybe the gym option was maybe a healthier coping mechanism than going to gossip about it. So managing it, managing mental health, find the healthy balance. Find the healthy ways to cope sleep your sleep can affect mental health immensely sleep affects your life i mean you need sleep you cannot function with no sleep if you've pulled an all-nighter you know what i mean i've only okay a fun fact i've only pulled one all-nighter man that was so fun but it was also so rough like i didn't know what to expect It's like, oh, yeah, you just stay up all night. But, like, it's not split in my life. 12 hours sleep, 12 hours awake. Day in and day out. It's more like 16 hours awake. And what would that be? Eight hours of sleep? Yeah. Anyway, that's more like my day. And so, even though it's not 12 in, 12 off, it's like, I didn't anticipate. Do I need to be eating? Three day, three course, not three course meals, but three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So what, like at midnight do I have breakfast at like six, or no, at like three, do I have some lunch at like seven? Do I have my dinner? And then I go to bed during the day? I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, sleep is a huge thing that can really really help you manage your mental health, get better sleep, sleep is healthy, and sleep is needed, do I also need to get more sleep in college, yes, yes, I do, I definitely need to get more sleep in college, no, I could, you could also make excuses, like, yeah, sleep, it's hard to get a lot of sleep, I'm busy eating habits, it's just more convenient to get the chicken nuggets and the fries, But at the end of the day, you can make as many excuses as you want. You can make as little excuses as you want. But at the end of the day, you ultimately know how you feel. And you ultimately are the one living with your decisions at the end of the day. So it's like, how do you want to live? Your decisions are what got you to where you are today. Another way to manage your mental health, hang out with friends. I love socializing and I love being social. And I love talking to people, especially my friends. I love hanging out with my friends extrovert in that sense of being with friends and being with people second last one take everything one step at a time especially at the beginning of college it can be very overwhelming you get put into this place and it's like what do you do i remember the first day i got here i was like so i'm here i'm in college where are the college happenings that everybody's talking about where are my friends this and that, like, I don't really know anybody here, how do I make friends, it was before class started, so it's like, I can't meet people through class, so I have, like, a full day, and to me, I always like to be busy, 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 that's why guilt plays into my life, because it's like, if I'm not doing something 24-7, I, my mind goes to sell why aren't you doing something, you're being lazy, you're awake, better make the most of it, do something." Anyway, so you take it one step at a time. The first day, yeah, I was like, I need to make some friends. I need to do something. I need to be meeting people. I can't be sitting in my dorm being unsocial. So that's where go to your welcome weeks. I don't know. That was tough. The first, it wasn't extremely tough, but it was tough. It was like, you just have to navigate how you think of college, and how you think of navigating your new life in general. But yeah, take it one step at a time, especially the first couple days of college, the first couple months of college, every day. Okay, what am I doing today? Perfect. Let's just look at today. One step at a time, one day at a time. Last way to manage mental health that I'm going to talk about is through routine. A balanced routine. This one's for anybody, whether you're in college or not, routine is huge for me. I have classes Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, which is my heavy learning classes and but I also have one class Tuesday, Thursdays, but for me, my routine Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the same routine Tuesday, Thursday, same routine, and then up until like the point of like three o'clock in which i get to kind of have my free time but in my free time i'm still either going to the library hanging out with people um studying so it's like i have the free time in which i can use it to be prudent with my school work um and yeah so routine create a routine i love having routines it makes you have to think less i like that now I want to say, not end with, but finish the main part of the stressors in college with the resources in college. What resources are available to you? Could I argue that there needs to be more and better resources in college for their students and easy, easier accessible resources for students? Yes. But for what we have right now, it's better than nothing. Resources in college. Therapy and counseling. Most colleges have this. I would highly recommend it, and I will say they get booked out very fast. But I will recommend this because, think of this, when in your life will you ever have a chance to have free counseling? I mean, maybe you have to pay a little bit of money, but for the most part, at least colleges will give you, like, two to three sessions of counseling for free. And so, now when you get into the real world, or you get outside of college, counseling is not going to be free. Counseling can get very expensive. So, if you're in college, you're paying the college tuition, you're paying for that. Might as well take advantage of all the resources, and therapy is one of them, even if you don't think you're too stressed or you don't need it as badly as another person. Go for it. Give therapy a try. It's awesome. And advocacy groups are another great resource to help with one's mental health. Another one, I've never heard of this one before. We do not have this on my campus. N-A-M-I. So apparently it's just like a student-led club. Uh, advocates for mental health, I think. I think that's awesome though. But also if on your campus you have a mental health club, that's also another way to kind of get involved in that environment. You might meet other therapists, other people that can really help you take control of the mental, of your mental health. So just to immerse yourself into those kind of environments. Another resource, hotlines. You can just look up hotlines online. If you have access to the internet, you'll have access to this resource. I mean, yeah, I don't know how... I mean, they're very accessible. You look it up on the internet. But I'm just not sure how maybe reliable of a resource that is. Whereas therapy and counseling, given directly from the university. But yeah, another resource is Hotlines. Look it up online. There's hotlines, easy accessible through your phone. Now, apps, the app Calm Headspace. You can look up meditations on YouTube. Look up white noise on Spotify. But apps are actually a really great resource. And the technology in them, very incredible, But they can help a lot as well. But otherwise, see, there's not too many resources. And resources that are super easily accessible, in my opinion. So, yeah. I would love to see, in the near future and future, just more easily accessible resources to mental health for their students. Because, as you can see, there is a big mental health crisis. And over 50%, there's 60% of college students that met the criteria for at least one mental health problem. That is a lot of people. That's a lot of students. So for a university to not be having too, too terribly many resources is something that I would like to see a change in. You be the change. You go out and make the change, I guess. Now, that's just kind of the main part of the mental health in college part of the episode. But what I wanted to get into, this is something that I think is extremely beneficial to knowing and it is an extremely useful and helpful skill to learn. I think it's a skill. But to develop this skill, I'll say that. And so this skill is something that I actively try to improve this skill that I actively think of and that I really want to be aware of, and something that I'm just really trying to develop and to make stronger. And so the last part of this episode, I'm going to be talking about something that can really help with one's mental health, and it can really do a lot of good in people's lives. And I would classify this as a skill, I'm not exactly sure, but what it is is developing your emotional intelligence. I think that it's extremely important. And it shows a great amount of maturity in somebody that I found. Yeah, I found that it shows an extreme amount of maturity. And this is something that I look for in a friend. In just other people in general, I think... I want smart friends. I mean, I... Yeah, I look for this in my friends, for the pe- in the people around me. And I admire people that have just worked on their emotional intelligence, that are mindful of their emotional intelligence. So, what is emotional intelligence? That is a great question. So, according to Google... Or, um, online.hbs.edu. It's defined as the ability to understand and manage your own emotions, as well as recognize and influence the emotions of those around you. To me, I think everyone should be mindful and actively trying to strengthen their emotional intelligence. And some ways to do that is to develop self-awareness. The quality of self-awareness is Amazing. It provides so many benefits in one's life. Self-awareness is so important. It's hard to develop self-awareness, but I think looking inward at oneself is the best way. Just checking in with yourself, especially difficult situations. Looking at things objectively. That's one of my things that I love to do. Look at things objectively. I try not to be biased. I try not to favor one side or, or another. When talking about a conflict or something like that, so I would like to be objective. I like to have self awareness. I like to know if I do something wrong and accept responsibility. I like to call people out and to see if they'll accept responsibility. but yeah, another way to develop emotional intelligence is practice mindfulness mindfulness like self awareness many more benefits than negatives, but Developing mindfulness is also hard too. It's like, how does one go about being mindful and what's the act of being mindful or the act of having mindfulness? I think that also goes hand in hand with self awareness. It's like checking yourself three times a day. You can even just do this. After each of your meals, you have three meals, check in with yourself three times a day, be like, okay, how's my day been so far? Have there been any disputes, any conflicts? How did I solve them? How did these conflicts arise? Was it my fault? Was it another person's fault? If it's my fault, can I take responsibility? Can I humble myself to apologize? Stuff like that. But I think, yeah, find a marker within your everyday life. And I think meals are a great one. So, to develop that self-awareness and that mindfulness. My favorite way to develop the self-awareness and mindfulness is through being objective, like I said. But for really seeing both sides. Well, okay, that's actually with being objective, never mind. Another way to practice emotional intelligence and to strengthen that is through empathy. Being empathetic. Who doesn't like someone that's empathetic? Like, what does it mean to be empathetic or like what is empathy the ability to understand and share feelings of another so to be empathetic is to just understand someone and understand where this person is coming from so with me i like to do that through being objective i'm like okay i see this as a situation i get that this is how you're feeling and with empathy validate understand be like You know, it's totally valid. It's totally okay to feel like this. Like, for me, I like to be the middleman. I do not like to be involved in conflict, but I will be the middleman and be like, okay, yes, you know, show the different sides. And I like to ex, I like to look in at situations and be like, okay, why, what motivated this person to do this to that person? And what motivated that person to act that way? I kind of like looking at those things and I like to be objective and, and to empathize with the other person and with both parties i i just i don't know i think it's a great skill to have to be objective and to be empathetic now active listening active listening is a great way to develop your emotional intelligence and so pretty much it's listening and responding to another person that improves mutual understanding that is active listening um it helps a lot in solving problems and identifying solutions. It just helps kind of decompress a, uh, how would you say, it, a conflict. So active listening is very important. To practice adaptability it affects emotional intelligence and helps strengthen it. Because, yeah, being adaptable, knowing how to read a situation, a life so so interesting and it's pretty much being able to adjust to new conditions and just being able to be who you need to be at the specific given time kind of what it is next is build social skills to develop emotional intelligence that's extremely useful in emotional intelligence but also just in life you're gonna have to be social. We're social animals. Social, social skills are skills that need to be practiced and need to be learned and need to be taught. I, in my opinion, social skills have been lacking and not as strong in my generation due to social media technology. Granted, sometimes social skills can be way better because of that, but for the most part, I think social skills have been decreasing and lacking because of the extreme use of technology and the access the easy access to technology which i love technology it's wonderful but i think that is a big that has to do as a big contributing factor in my generation's social skills so i always like to develop my social skills as much as possible also because i love talking to people i've said that before I just love talking to people, hearing about people's lives, people's stories. So interesting. Next is criticism. Being able to take criticism. Being able to give constructive criticism. This one is a hard one. I do not like being criticized. I do not like being told what to do. I do not like being corrected. I think, I mean, I actually don't think this my way or the highway. I try not to think like that. And I need to humble myself sometimes and be like, okay, Stella, your way is not as good. Your way is not as efficient, not as beneficial for anybody. So humble yourself, take a seat, and let either somebody take over or help you get to a good conclusion. I don't know. Criticism is a tough one. I know I could be a lot better with criticism, but I just know that one of the reasons... I'm majoring in management. All I know about management right now is you manage people. To me, that sounds like being the boss. I tell people what to do. Therefore, I like that. People don't be telling me what to do because they're not the manager. So I like, obviously, I'll have a boss, what not. But the idea of managing, I like that. So, yeah. But with that criticism, very tough. And it also depends on how the person gives criticism. There are good and bad ways to criticize somebody. I see a lot of people criticize people in bad ways. Like, try to give constructive criticism, but it really does not come off like that. So being able to give good, helpful, is the word, helpful, construction, constructive criticism. It's huge on building emotional intelligence. and with that being able to receive criticism, develops emotional intelligence. Now, so far, if I had to pick from this list, one that I need to work the most on is criticism. Now, I've gotten a lot better about it, about being criticized. I have, but I still don't like being criticized. I mean, nobody likes being criticized. I don't know. I still need to work on that too. Last one I'm going to talk about, about emotional intelligence, is learn how to s- solve and resolve conflicts. That's a big one. That can be a tough one. I mean, like I said, I haven't, if I have a conflict, let's say, okay, let's say it's between two people. You have a conflict. Somebody overheard something you said. Blah, blah, blah. People talk about it. Blah, blah, blah. It gets back to them. Blah, blah, blah. In trouble. Blah, blah, blah. Now you're talking. You have a conflict. Here's how I like to solve conflicts. I, I really approach it with a calming attitude because for me, I do not want to escalate the situation. I do not want to put gas in the fire, right? I want to put water in the fire. So what am I going to do? I'm going to be calm. I'm going to be objective. I'm going to be empathetic. I'm going to do active listening. I'm going to be self-aware. I'm going to be mindful. I'm going to validate the other person. If you want to solve a conflict, have a high emotional intelligence, literally emotional intelligence, some of the best skills you can learn. Having that emotional intelligence. Oh my gosh, I I love it. Everything about it. But with resolving a conflict, I guess I do approach it with, if you could say it as emotional intelligence. I try to be as emotionally intelligent as I can when solving a problem. So I always. I always apologize. Whether or not, if not, I know what I'm apologizing for. Obviously, if there's a problem, even if I don't think I hurt them, obviously, if there's a problem, somebody was hurt enough to have it be a problem. Even if I don't think they deserve an apology. Well, I do. Think think that person deserves an apology if they feel like that so first thing i'm gonna do is i'm gonna apologize a lot i'm gonna say like you know i'm really sorry you know you got roped into this problem or this problem came up or i'm really sorry that you're feeling that way but the main thing with all of this that i'm saying is you gotta mean it you can say all the words as best you want but you have to mean it if you don't mean it your words mean nothing and you're wasting everybody's time And I don't want to waste people's time. I hate when people waste my time. So I'm not going to waste other people's time. So really mean what you say. Your words have a lot of weight. Make them worth it. Make the weight be weight that is worth it. Not weight that is not worth it. I don't know. But I always apologize. Really empathize. I'm like, you know, I can't imagine how you're feeling. And I'm really sorry that this situation has made you feel this way. And I want to do everything that I can right now to deescalate the situation and hopefully come to a resolution. And I'm like, I, I hear the other person out. I listen to what they think. And I think it's really important to hear the other person's side. And now this is where self awareness and mindfulness comes in and active listening. For someone to say their other side, I try my best not to talk when they're giving their side of the story. Because if I'm giving my side of the story and someone talks and kind of interrupts and is like, oh no, I meant it like that, like, that's fine and dandy, but that's not how I thought of it as, so you can talk when I'm done telling you how I feel. Now, feelings, those are personal. Validate their feelings. You would want someone to validate yours validate their feelings i always do that i'm always like i your feelings are so valid and i totally understand how that made you feel that way and i'm so sorry that i had a part to play in that and of course mean it yeah i would hate like i hate when if there's a conflict and i make somebody you know have more stress than they should because of this problem because of something that came up so it's like handling a problem very maturely that's what you gotta do but also mean it but then hear their side and then hear your side and just say like, you know you say like thank you so much for sharing your side of the story now in my opinion always put in my opinion because that's your opinion it's not facts you're not saying this is the right answer this is what this is just how i perceived it so that then once they give their side then i'm like Okay, thank you so much for sharing, you know, but in my opinion, how I perceived it, and then just be like, this is not fact or anything, but this is just my feeling and how I feel as the situation went down. You explain it, you be as objective, make sure when you're saying the problem or how you feel, never, ever bash anybody in the situation, never escalate the situation, never put little jabs in your explanation just to keep everything calm cool and collected put water in that fire but just say how you feel and then at the end be like you can either say and be like you know i totally see where you're coming from and it was honestly just a miscommunication and apologize again be like and what i say is i'm like i really hope we can put this past us we can still be friends you know, it that this can just stay here and be left here because I I really respect you and stuff like that. But like I said, with everything you say, when de-escalating and solving a conflict, you have to mean it. And And I also think people can see right through your words. If you have meaning, people will be able to see it and to feel that meaning. If you just say empty words, people will be able to tell and be able to know that those words are empty. So, yeah. That's the main thing. But emotional intelligence, an extremely good skill to have. Maybe even one of the best. I don't know. Maybe I could argue that. I don't do much arguing. I Because for me, arguing sounds like conflict. Like I said, I try to avoid conflict. So I'm not very good at arguing. I'm just like, yep, yep yep your your thoughts sound right okay sounds good bye like i I try not to get into an argument conflict but emotional intelligence i would highly recommend trying to strengthen that skill trying to be more emotionally intelligent even if you already are never hurts to be even more be objective be self-aware be mindful be empathetic be a good listener, practice adaptability, have good social skills, accept criticism and give criticism well, and learn how to resolve a conflict using all the skills that go into emotional intelligence to solve conflicts. And I'm going to leave that there. I think I have questions, but I'm not sure. It might just be what I talked about And with that being said, thank you so much for listening. I had a blast. This was, I, yeah, really good episode, I thought. I mean, if you didn't like it, still go rate and review. I want to know. But if it's mean, like, just DM it to me because I'm fragile. Anyway, go check out the Instagram. I'm going to be posting my prep, what my prep looks like right now. I, oh my gosh, I think a person just walked by. And I was using my arms very enthusiastically to close this episode out. Oh my gosh, I really hope... That was not a person. Anyway, but yes... So I'm going to put how I kind of prep for the podcast. I'm in a classroom again. I'm in a different one. So that's super fun. I put all the notes on the whiteboard. And yeah, so check out the Instagram so you can see that photo so you can get updates about the new episode and all of that. So thank you for listening again. I can't say it enough. Please rate and review the podcast. Rate it five stars on Spotify. Head to Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast, rate that five stars right a review. It would mean the world. And hit the bell icon on Spotify, because that will give you alerts for the next episode. Or hit follow on Spotify. That would mean a lot. Download the episodes. Listen to the episodes. That helps me out a ton with the podcast and everything. So, thank you again for listening, and I will see you guys next Tuesday. Until next time.